sometimes it's just proverbially the rubber has to hit the road. And today in this podcast, I want to share with you some experiences of what that means. This podcast entitled The Kitty Hawk Way. My wife, I love this about her. Uh, the Lord oftentimes will put, you know, just dreams in her heart for our family. Dreams really that, oh man, sometimes they just feel like they're way higher than what I can. Well, when you're walking in faith and she has this dream that's way beyond anything that you could ever do or think or imagine and and it's time to move out into something and you're just like, I love her so much that I'm going to do whatever it takes, but I'm going to have to do this by the way of faith because I'm going to I'm going to follow the desire of her heart for family and relationship and connection. And irregardless of maybe what we see, and I today I just want to like share when the Holy Spirit moves on us and invites us into like a realm or an environment or, you know, again, to we've been in training. And it's time to proverbially hit the road. It's time to like take what you've learned now and it's time to go put action behind what you have proclaimed and believed about walking in faith. And I want to start in Deuteronomy 32 and and just give some passages here. It says, Give it your old heavens and I will speak and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. May my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, like gentle rain upon the tender grass and like showers upon the earth. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect. His ways are justice. He's a God of faithfulness and without iniquity. He's just and upright. They have dealt corruptly with him. They are no longer his children because they are blemished. They, they are crooked and a twisted generation. Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is not he your father who created you, who made you and established you? Remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations and ask your father and he will show you and your elders. And they, they will tell you when the most high gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. He found him in a desert land. And in the howling waste of the wilderness, he encircled him. He cared for him and he kept him as the apple of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them and bearing them up on his pinions, the Lord alone guided him and no foreign God was with him. He made him ride on the high places of the land and he ate the produce of the field he suckled him with honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. So my wife's like, Carol, I want to go to Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. We live in the Asheville area. It's approximately a seven-hour drive. I'm. Uh, she wants to stay at this one particular place that she's uh, got in her heart. I think, and I hope this is no offense to anybody, it sort of offended me, but, you know, She's wanting to stay at a place that's going to run us around six hundred something dollars for a couple of nights. Uh, she didn't want to just pick like 
a secondary place, and there's nothing wrong with that. She just this is where she wanted to go. It had a it has a big brand beautiful place, and it had this big indoor water park uh, area for the kids. So we have six kids, you know, and they, you know, they want to have fun. And she's just telling me this probably a couple months before we'll actually go. And she's like, "That's where I, I want to go." And I'm thinking, "Oh man, you know, you, you have to understand. I, I'm in ministry." Uh, we don't we don't have a lot of extra sitting around, and so this is this trip's going to cost us I don't know fifteen hundred dollars or so. I, I'm not sure what it's going to cost. I don't have the finances to go, but it's in her heart, and I'm like you know just hearing her heart. She wants to do something. She wants to get out, and I can't. I didn't have the heart to tell her no. So I said, well, let's you know we'll just pray about it. And so one, I think it was on a Saturday or Sunday, I believe it was, and. <laughs> I literally, like, I've, I've got enough money. I think I had enough to get us a place to stay over in Raleigh and get some gas and get some food, and then we're out. And so, and you know, after Raleigh, if you look on the map, you know, you got another three or so, I don't know, four hours to go to get to Kitty Hall. Now, I remember that day uh, we're driving out there, and I'm just like, I'm doing this. I'm following the Lord, and I'm following desire that's in my wife's heart. She's being directed by the Lord, and I'm just doing it. And we're running out of gas and we're like down one of those long stretches and the amber light comes on that dreaded amber light. I've seen that light so many times and I, and I'm like, well, whatever the Lord, you're either in it or you're not. And I'm going to find out here right now. And you know, the pressure is kind of there, but I'm just like, I'm just giving this to you. And I kid you not right at that moment within a minute or so. Fifty dollars pops into my PayPal account. I pull over. Right when it pops out, there's a gas station to my left. I pull over. I fill the truck up. Forty nine dollars. I have one dollar left. You know, we get out to Kitty Hawk and we, through a lot of different circumstances, it ends up working out because of some mistakes that are made with Airbnb. Because we were going to go try to stay at another place differently than the one she wanted to stay because it was less. Airbnb ends up having to give us like $350. Uh, let me just put it this way. We end up staying at the place you want to stay, hanging out with friends, and they give us the best suite uh, because they had run out of the, the other one that we were going to try to get after. And they give us the best place. It's a beautiful pool environment and interior and then we get to meet with some of our friends the next day uh jamie uh and jen Lowe and their their kids jamie couldn't come down but we hadn't seen them in a while and uh stephen shanks and his daughters and it's just this wonderful time everything was covered everything was provided for we get back and i think i was fifty dollars in the red that i was going to have to come up with out of my own pocket amazing so then not too long after that in the fall, she wants to go to Gatlinburg. Well, again, we're in the same situation. And I, uh, I get to Gatlinburg. My parents were staying there in a place. They said, you can stay here uh, tonight and uh, here's some food for breakfast. And so we ate that. And but I got to tell you again, I'm in this place where I have no money at all. I don't even have gas to get back to Asheville from Gatlinburg. It's about two and a half, three hours. And I have no food to feed the kids. And we're just supposed to enjoy ourselves, and I'm feeling that anxiety. And the Lord tells me, I want you all to go rest, because you're going to find strength in rest. And 
Uh, we put all the kids down. I think two of them stayed up, but they were quiet, Elizabeth and Manny. And uh, we fell asleep, and I fall asleep hard. And, and I wake up, and I hear the Lord, you know, quoting that in quietness in Isaiah, you know, stillness, uh, you'll find rest in your strength. And and then I hear the Lord said, this is Kitty Hawk Way. Well, I roll over, and I look at Karen, and I said, the Lord keeps telling me about Kitty Hawk Way. And she says, Carol, have you seen the refrigerator? And I said, no. She said, you haven't seen the placard on the refrigerator. And I said, no, I haven't. And uh, she said, go in there and look at it. And I go in there and on the refrigerator in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Now, we're not in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. On the, fr- on the fridge, it says Kitty Hawk Way. The place we were staying, that was the address. And the worst said, it's the way of the Kitty Hawk. Back to the verse, he made him ride on the high places of the land. He ate the produce of the field. He suckled him with honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. And it says he's, he's in verse 11, it says, Like the eagle that stirs up the nest that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions. Well, now I've got to back up. A lot of these podcasts are really interesting to me because it's like, I'm going back to tell you a story that happened a while back, but now I'm understanding it's sort of like an alpha and omega. Like there was this beginning story and then there's this ending story. And the story I, I just told you was uh, within a, a couple years ago, but the one I'm going to tell you now is like a decade before that. And uh, I had been challenged by the Lord to go to Canada and I have been learning, you know, faith, um, been learning, you, you can walk by faith and, and trust the Lord. And, and we had two kids at the time, Elizabeth and Lydia. And, and I told Kara, I said, you know, we're going to go out to uh, Canada, right above Washington State. And, uh, and we're going to take a road trip. And the Lord's put this in my heart. And she said, when? I said, well, we're going to go this weekend. We're going to leave on uh, Sunday. And so we're going to step stop off in Paducah, Kentucky, and then just make our way across the U.S. And uh, I think that day, I think I left with $70 in my pocket. And I, uh, you know, we get some food, a little food, and, and uh, well, we get into to Paducah, and I realize that I'm having issues with, uh, I was driving a Suburban at that time, and I, I realized I'm having issues with my battery, and that it's not going to be able to crank when we get into cold weather in the northwest, and I'm going to have to get a battery, and uh, because it's barely even cranking up in Kentucky, and so I, I find this place over in Paducah and uh, to uh, get a battery uh, changed out, and I go in there and I kind of make this like uh, fatal mistake of going to purchase something without the money to pay for it, and I've got I thought that I had enough money, and so. Then, and I don't think it does this now, but it basically allowed my ATM card to be, a, um, not to be approved, but to make the transaction on the battery I was purchasing without having not enough money. And I was $10 short. And uh, the guy gets mad at me in the place, like the AutoZone, and tells me, uh, you've backed up the whole system in the whole place. We're going to shut the whole store down. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. What? I said, let me go out in my car. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever done this. And I hadn't really done a lot of this. But I'm digging underneath the, the cushions and looking underneath the seats. And I think I came up with about 11 cents. And 
Um, and I'm like, oh no, what am I going to do? I'm 10 short. And about that time, I'm, I'm out there fumbling around in the truck. I'm embarrassed and I don't know what I'm going to do. This uh, black lady comes out there and she says, um, "I, uh, sir, I paid for your battery. And I, I looked at her and um, I said, oh, you, you did what? And I just got to say that white boy in a suburban, I'm, was actually in the hood. And this is where I'm at. And, you know, I don't know if I'm really, truly accepted there or not, but, and, and liked, but I'm a, this black lady, the sweetest lady, looks at me and, and smiles at me from ear to ear. She said, I overheard what was going on in there and I had left the store, but I couldn't, this voice spoke to me and told me, and I don't even know. I was like, do you know the Lord? Well, I don't, I don't know that I call him that, or I don't even know what you're talking about, but I heard a voice and he told me to come back and purchase your battery. And I said, ma'am, I live by faith. <laughs> I was like, I don't have any money. I, I'm just on this trip going with God and I'm trusting him. And I can't believe what you just did. You just touched my life. And she looks at me and she's a bigger lady, what my dad called Fluffy. And she grabs me and pulls me in. And I'm like sucked into her in a way. And I'm just uh, sitting there. She's squeezing me and loving on me. And, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness, you know. And uh, I, I was just so touched, you know. And she had taken care of our our need right there. And, you know, we're not in a, a place, like I said, that I, I think that I'm really accepted, you know. And I, I saw God put our di- our differences aside. And I'm not saying I have a lot of differences, but I don't know the way people, some might, might perceive me, but... But I just felt so much, I felt so loved by her. And in a place of my own desperation, um, God used a black lady, a big black lady, who loved me and my family in the middle of that and was so uh, shameless just to bless us and heard from God, whom she did not even know. And I, I got in the car and I said, Kara, can you believe that? I said, is anything impossible with God. I was like, nothing's impossible. It puts so much in faith in me to trust the Lord. And uh, later on, you know, it reminded me of the shack, you know, (laughs) and, uh, you know, and I I just was like, Lord, you can work through all kinds of different ways and bring us together and do what we can't do. And so, you know, I get on the road and we are, we're going out there and I'm listening to this um, sermon series called The Secret Place. And particularly by Todd Bentley, because that was who we were going out there. The Lord had told me at that point in my life, I think it was 2006, to he wanted me to pay very close attention to Todd Bentley and study him. And I, I had made a study of him and was watching his life and watching things that was going on in his life. Uh, you know, this is pre the Lakeland thing that happened and all that. And I just I, I want you to watch his life. And so we had went out there to see him and really just to observe. And, uh, you know, we end up getting to the Canada border. I don't even have my passport. I don't, I end up getting across the border. I don't know how we got across the border, but we did because the Lord wanted us to see some things. And my interest isn't to go into that, but my interest is to talk about 
Todd, he had done this study or this sermon series, uh, teaching series on the secret place. And he talked about, and I was starting to learn at this time what still quiet prayer was about. And I I want to say this because I'll do another podcast on this called Blank Slate, and I'm going to really unpack it for you. But I started realizing that the Lord basically wanted us to be quiet, you know, so that he could speak. You know, it's like we're all asking him things, and that's fine. You can make your petitions known to God, and you're to thank him, and you're to decree things. But really, I needed to learn how to just listen. And uh, I was coming into like a contemplative kind of prayer time, not just like rehearsing the word back to him and saying the prayers and things that I I believe that are completely valid, but just to listen to him. And, um, you know, mind you, throughout this whole trip, God provides for us through all kinds of different circumstances. And But on our way back, we're coming out of Oregon and Washington. We visited with my family and friends up there, and we're coming back across the United States, and um, and I'm listening. You know, just listen to me and hear me and, and, and be quiet, and I'm going to teach you how to basically ride with me. And, I mean, this is a real-time thing for us. This is, this is you know, the proverbial, again, rubbers to the road, on the road. You know, we're... We're going out. We're going to just trust the Lord, you know, that he said to do things and we're just going to go do it uh, with or without uh, finance. And what ends up happening is I completely run out of money in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, I think we had enough. And, you know, I thank God for McDonald's. Some of you may uh, not like that, but those dollar burgers, they saved us because I think I had enough money to buy Kara and the girls and myself a burger maybe $4 left, and and we're stuck in Kansas City. Now, I got to tell you, I'm not the kind of person, and I don't know if you are either, but I don't like being stuck where I can't move. I don't like to be hemmed in, and I don't like that feeling at all. I, I just i have always had a problem with that. I'm get, farther I'm getting along with this, the more I'm, I'm understanding that that's okay. But... It, we're hemmed in. Kara doesn't like it. I don't like it. We have to sleep in our suburban uh, because we don't we don't have even finances to uh, you know get a place, and so we're going to sleep in our car and 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 make do. And that doesn't really go over well with a lady, you know. For us guys, you know, hey, I whatever, I'll sleep under the stars if I have to. But we pull into uh, the parking lot of the prayer room at International House of Prayer in Kansas City, and I'm, I said, you know, I've, I've been learning. I, t- I tell Kara, I was like, I've been learning about still quiet prayer. I'm just going to go in there in that prayer room, and I'm going to get before the Lord, and I'm going to wait on Him. And so uh, I go in there, and I find out later that they don't want you to do this, so don't do this if you go to Kansas City. But I laid down on the floor, and... Um, I just laid there. I guess I, I laid there for about an hour. And man, I'm going to tell you now, I hate doing stuff like that, especially when I can't take care of the, my wife and children. I just do not like that experience. And it took me a long time to just steal myself. And I finally get still and the spirit of the Lord comes and he starts to show me these painful experiences that we have been going through since we had moved to the mountain and left the Air Force and there have been maybe these four or five altar experiences. I remember just like, I think I've told you one about the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob one, and then there there will come one uh, 
like another altar experience and I'm just out on the ground in the dirt just weeping and uh, I'm hurt over situations in our family I'm hurt just really having a hard time Kara's going through a hard time just saying yes to Jesus and uh, you know the misunderstandings that happen within family life and friends and and uh, misunderstandings that are happening at the church and while I'm laying there the Holy Spirit starts to bring those moments to me and I started heaving and sobbing um, just uncontrollable tears just pouring out of my eyes and I'm just like Lord this has been painful and this is saying yes to you it has been so painful well the Lord um, I thought you know what I'm just going to stay here for you know more more time because I mean if you're doing this I mean maybe you'll do something else and uh, and this begins the beginning days of my eyes being open to the spirit and and uh, I have this, like, I'd say it's a closed vision, meaning that my eyes are open and I see a vision covering my, the whole screen. But I, I have a closed vision. And in the vision, I see this, like, uh, precipice. And I'm standing on the edge of a precipice to, to kind of leap off into this vow, I mean, into this, you know, ever-extending depths. But out, out in the middle of it, in the middle of the air, is this diamond, and the diamond is just glowing with brilliance and, and glory. And I and I said to the Lord, I was like, "What, what is that?" And the Lord said these two words to me: "Ecstatic union." And I said, "Ecstatic union, huh? I wonder what that is." Ecstatic union. So, needless to say, I, I, I come out of this uh, experience. We end up having two sixty dollar money sent to us in our account at home. My dad calls me and says, "Hey, son, I got one hundred twenty dollars for you." And we leave there. I get some fuel. I fuel up. I get some food, and we get all the way back to Saluda, Amberlight. Pull up on the mountain. Our bellies are full. Amber light, we're out of fuel. And we made it back home. Well, now I've got, what, what is this ecstatic union? I mean, hey, I've got to figure this out. I, I've got to go deep. Well, at that time, I was at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary in a, a master's program. And I was taking a class with... Um, I was taking a class with uh, Garth Roselle, Dr. Garth Roselle, in, uh, in uh, church history. And I, I had a paper that I needed to write because this was for post-Reformation. And I asked, I asked Dr. Roselle, I was like, can I write my uh, paper on uh, ecstatic union? Uh, because I end up finding out uh, that this word is used with uh, St. John of the Cross and St. Teresa of Avila, well, St. Teresa of Avila used this word, ecstatic union. And um, she had wrote a work called The, the uh, Seven Mansions of the Soul. And man, it, if you get a chance to look at that, I'm not going to go through that today. But uh, So I got up, I got that approval from Dr. Roselle. And I went to the library at Gordon-Conwell in Charlotte. And I just got in there and... Uh, and I started checking out books, and I started finding these books. Like I found this book called *The Crucible of Love*, 
Oh, I mean, when I saw that book, The Crucible of Love by Truman Dickens, I believe was his name. And I said, oh, the name, just The Crucible of Love. I, Oh, man. And I and then I found all these works of, from these um, authors, you know, right there in the library. And I checked them all out. And we were staying uh, at Kara's parents' house while I was working on my master's program with Gordon Conwell. And um, that day I, I checked out, I don't know, 10, 12 books that had to do with ecstatic union because I had to write a research paper post-Reformation. And, you know, uh, the Reformation around the 1500s and, you know, we just came through our, I believe, our 500th year. And then now we're in the 1600s with the St. Teresa of Avila. And I, I'm just like, okay, and so I have all these books stacked up on a little desk in a room that I had remodeled for my Billy, my father-in-law, and uh, the, the room's finished out, and I got, there's a little desk up there, and I got all my books stacked up, and I'm ready to go. Uh, I'm going to, like, study Ecstatic Union and begin to write this paper. And so I'm, I'm listening to Misty Edwards, uh, and she's singing off one of her albums. I can't remember the exact song, but it was the one with the blue and the black on the front cover. And many of you are going to know which one I'm talking about, but I'm listening to her in my earbuds and I've got all these books stacked up there. And all of a sudden the presence of the Lord comes in the room so strong that I just get down on my face and put my arms out like straight out on my sides I put my body flat down on that floor, that tongue and groove floor that we just put in. And I'm just laid out there. I never felt so much love. And I'm just like, oh, 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 Jesus. Oh, my goodness. And the Lord, I hear this in my ear. And it goes back to Todd Bentley saying, shh. And my emotions are so high in the love of God that I'm just like, oh, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Oh my goodness, I can't take this. And the Holy Spirit says, shh. And I'm like, how do I quiet myself in the middle of so much love? And he said, shh, to me. And you know, when you feel the love of God like that, you just want to like go crazy because you've you've been in these worship meetings. I know that you have. You won't won't be listening to this podcast probably if you haven't. But I mean, when the love's so powerful that it's just going to, you're raptured. And my heart is raptured and enthralled in the love of God. I can't even like hardly describe it. And he's telling me to be quiet. Like not to say anything. Don't speak in tongues. Don't, don't say, oh, Jesus, don't say anything. Just be quiet. And so I steal myself. And all of a sudden, my breathing goes to almost like nothing. And I fall through the floor. Now, I've never had an experience like this in my life up to this point, nor have I had one since then. I fall through the floor and I'm like, (gasps) and it scares me and I'm back in my body. And I'm like, oh man, what was that? Shh. Shh. You know, and I'm like, oh, Holy Spirit is like, shh. I'm like, man, I want to talk to him. Shh. Be quiet. And so I'm like, I just get really quiet again. My breathing and heart rate goes down. And next thing you know, I am uh, fall through. 
my body. It's, it's the strangest experience I've ever had, but I separate from my body and I go out of body. And this time, it feels like you're falling through the floor, but while I'm falling through, I'm elevated above my own person and I can see myself laying on the floor. And all of a sudden, this eagle comes out and starts sweeping over the top of my my body in in a circular fashion. And I am uh, just sitting there uh, watching this and the Holy Spirit is speaking to me and he says, we have sought a place to dwell and and we will dwell with you. And I'm like, oh, uh, thinking, I'm right back in my body. And I'm like laying there and I'm just, I don't even want to move. What's going on? Next thing you know, I fall out again. But this time I'm in an emergency operating room and I'm laid on a steel gurney, and it's me laying there, and the Lord, and the Lord's in a doctor outfit, and he's got on one of those white masks, and he's got on one of those blue hats, and a whole blue suit, and he's got gloves on, and I'm laying there, and he looks up at me, and smiles at me, who is out of body, looking at myself on this, and he looks up at me, and, uh, and I can see his smile, his grin through his mask. And he, and he tells me, I'm doing open heart surgery on you. And he says, and I'm going to take care of some things for you. And the Lord turns around. And this is hard to explain, but he starts like going at my chest and grabbing these black stuff. And it starts throwing black stuff all over the place. And it's going up beyond him. And this is like this whole joy that he has in the room. And I'm, uh, now you have to understand, in my body, in the natural, my body is throwing itself all over the floor in the room while I'm watching this happen. And I'm not doing it. And it's like, it's not painful, but my body's flopping all over the floor. And then the Lord turns around and looks at me, and I calm down. He turns around and looks at me, takes off his rubber gloves that have blood all over them, and he throws them in the trash and he says, I'm done. And then I'm back into my body. And while I'm going into my body, I smell something. And while I'm smelling something, I uh, the word says, you won't understand this for some time, but one day you will understand. I'm, I've taken care of something for you. And I smell this really sweet smell. It's my wife. And because what happens when the word does this, apparently it suspends your ability to hear, your ability to, it suspends your natural senses when you go into out of body. And I, you can read about it with, with other people, but I've never experienced it. But I can smell her, the, her perfume so strong. And she, she was downstairs on the first floor cooking spaghetti for the family that evening. And she came up there and she says, Carol, what is going on with you? I said, oh, you have no idea. I have never, oh my goodness, I, I, oh, I didn't even want to talk. Because, you know, when you have one of those moments like that, you don't want to talk. So uh, I'm continuing to work on my paper after that. And I come out of that experience and I go to the library one day 
and Monroe, where we're at, and I'm listening to uh, Dr. Gordon Hugenberger, uh, who I'm taking my Pentateuch studies with. And I did it through what was called Seminary Link, which is online, and I've got, I'm listening to him in my laptop. Well, he starts to break out Deuteronomy 32. And he starts to talk about when God created the earth that he brooded over the waters, right? In the formlessness and the void. And he starts to connect that and he and you'd have to hear him because he, he's a scholar, for real a scholar, and he can do a way better job, you know, than I could ever do because he's a PhD in this. But he connects it to Deuteronomy chapter thirty two, verse uh, ten. He found him in a desert land in the howling waste of the wilderness. He encircled him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye, like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions. The Lord alone guided him. No foreign God was with him. He made him ride on the high places of the land, and he, which I call the Kitty Hawk Way. And he ate the produce of the field, and he suckled him with honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. And Hugenberger breaks that thing down. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. And I'm listening to another worship guy, because I like to listen to worship. I was listening to worship my own selected worship while I'm listening to him teach uh, the Pentateuch. And I'm just like taken off into bliss because the Holy Spirit brought an understanding to me uh, because I need objective proof for an unseen reality. You know, before I told you faith is the substance of things hoped for, it's the objective proof of an unseen reality. And I really like that objective proof when it comes, when you have an experience and then the Lord co-locates it in Scripture and shows you this is me. I'm talking to you. I'm spending time with you. I'm engaging you. And so I just want to like recapture some things here. First of all, there is in your life going to be the proverbial rubber that hits the road. The Lord will teach you things and then he'll say, okay, uh, let's kick them out of the nest and let them fly. You know, it's time for you to learn. You, you've been learning. You've been training. Now I want you to do it. And then secondly, what I really want you to have as a takeaway is trust him in those moments when he calls you to move out in faith like that. Move off the emotions of the Lord. Um, study his emotions. I got to study my wife and her heart and her heartbeat. And the Holy Spirit's put that relational heart in her to connect our family together. And I had to be sensitive to hear that. Don't just look in the natural and say, hey, there's no way we can do this. If you're sensing it from the Lord, go ahead and take the leap. Thirdly, realize that along the path, you're probably going to run into some really wonderful people. Your story is going to engage with their story. I thank God for uh, the black lady that I met in Paducah. She got to hear from God because we were in a need. And it connected two different races together in a place that possibly wouldn't have happened. She took care of us, and there was a connection that happened there, and her kids got to see that. I didn't mention that in her vehicle, and that that may have changed her whole life. Look, your life is affecting other people in ways that you may not even realize. You know, fourthly, 
in this situation uh, that where we're going to learn, we learned so much, but and we were we we got to meet so many people. But when the Lord is engaging with you and you get backed into a corner, uh, like we did in Kansas City, calm yourself down. You know, when when you are backed into a corner and there's no way out, know that the Lord's in the middle of it. If you've been uh, saying yes to him, he's the one that set up the moment and you don't know what's going to happen next. I didn't know $120 was going to come in the mail and take us home. I had no idea. And I certainly didn't know that he was going to take this word, heal me of my hurts while I laid there because he loves us so much. I didn't know that he was going to say ecstatic union and show me the diamond of the church, that he desired to have relationship with us that was deeply intimate. And I didn't know that it was going to set up something out of my class in post-Reformation history that was going to require a paper. Now, I don't have this paper that I can send to you because later on the Lord tells me to burn the paper. It was become a sweet sacrifice to him. And I don't even have the documentation. I had to delete my file on ecstatic union. And uh, that was a that was a painful thing that comes later. And I, you, we don't know what altars God will require of us. But because I mean, I wanted the world to know about ecstatic union from my paper. But he said to burn it and to delete my file. And, I, you know, I, later on, I had to do that. But but I, I didn't know he's going to set up the crucible of love and Teresa of Avila and St. John of the Cross and this beautiful history of people I um, I was going to get to be engaged with and feel like they were like my best friends, like they understood. And I certainly didn't know. Wow. I didn't know that the love of God was going to rapture my soul on that third floor of that day and take me into a place and teach me what it means to be knocked into contemplative prayer or what the mystics call infused contemplation. When God infuses the contemplative life into you and gives you the prayer of quiet. And I didn't know the Holy Spirit was going to come in the middle of all that and like say, hey, I found you in a desert land. It was like, how do I say this? Um, Like my aloneness started to be met in a way like it had never been met. I didn't realize how alone I was, and I didn't realize how vacant I was. I didn't realize how much I needed him and how much my soul longed for him. But more than that, how much he longed to be with me, how much he cares about us. I didn't know I was the apple of his eye. You might not know that you're the apple of his eye, but I'm telling you, like, let him have his way in faith. Let him have his way in the Kitty Hawk way. Because there's a the Lord who's brooding over his inheritance saying, I want to have my way with you. I want to catch you up and bury you on my pinions. I want to take every foreign God out of you. I didn't know that the great surgeon Jesus was going to get all the blackness out of my soul. And hey, hey, that takes time. It just, it takes time. He told me, you won't understand it. And for years, I, you know, I, I got to understand this, but for years, I didn't know how much darkness the Lord would have to go after, what he was really doing that day. And why? Because he wants us to, he wants you to ride on the high places. He wants you to accept the Kitty Hawk way. 
He doesn't want you to be afraid and measure things based off what you see. He wants you to move out. Uh, not on what you can see, like it says in Isaiah 11, but not based off that, but what you hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, what wisdom. And I, I'll tell you, he'll give you produce out of the field. He'll take care of your finances. He'll give you himself, which is greater than that. He'll give you the honey out of the rock. I mean, it, he'll give you the miraculous revelation that comes out of him himself who is the rock. He'll give you oil. The oil that you're going to need in this end time movement that we're a part of, you're going to need the oil. Uh, you're going to need that, and and we all are. And and I just want to encourage you today to to go all the way with, with Jesus. Let him have his way with you. I'm, I'm sure maybe your experience won't be like mine. Uh, probably won't be. Uh, but I certainly want to encourage you in, in these. And I'm going to put...